This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, stackers, if you're in the Philadelphia area this weekend, we're coming to you. We are hosting, along with our friends Brad and Jonathan over at the Choose FI podcast, a little event we're calling Podtastrophe 2018. And it looks like we already have 70, over 70 people coming, which is exciting. Another 115 interested. That's wild. Uh, it's going to be at Yards Brewing Company, 500 Spring Garden Street in Philadelphia. And the reason we're coming to Philadelphia is because of a big podcasting conference called Podcast Movement. Terry Gross from NPR is going to be one of the featured speakers there. I'm so excited. Lots of fantastic voices in podcasting, meaning we've invited a bunch of our friends to join us. So you're also going to have the opportunity to meet our friend Rich from Paychecks and Balances, Eric from Personal Profitability Podcast, uh, Rocky from the Richer Soul Podcast, Gwen from the Fire Drill Podcast, we also have a Roger Whitney, the Retirement Answer Man, is going to join us. Andy Wang from Inspired Money will be there. We have some of our favorite bloggers who are coming. The Penningtons the, from the Two Cup House blog. And uh, Claudia appeared on Stacking Benjamins and was fantastic talking about downsizing her house. And I love that blog. And speaking of another blog I love, how about Lisa Harrison from the Mad Money Monster blog? She will be there. So many other bloggers, podcasters. I can't wait. And by the way, I might have, might have a special guest of my own from the Stacking Benjamins crew with me. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Here's where you go so that we make sure we have room. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Philly. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Philly. And let us know that you're going to be there. We've gotten a special room, but we want to make sure we've got enough room for everybody. Hope to see you Sunday night, 6 p.m. at Yards Brewing. You know, you're living in your mother's basement writing a blog on finance. Really, you should stay off the computer, son, and get a job. Seriously. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Hamilton Show. Hey there, Money Stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and to celebrate National Hamilton's Day, we've rearranged the basement and we're going to save you 10 whole bucks. 
and helping us with 10 ideas to save 10 bucks in 10 minutes or less, we welcome from busy budgeter, Rosemary Groner. Plus, helping us save a 10-spot using technology from the popular Clarity Money app, we welcome Chief Operating Officer Colin Kennedy. But that's not all. We'll have some Hamilton saving headlines, answer the Haven Lifeline, dig into the mailbag, and like the point on the steeple of this podcast, we'll feature my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who probably don't have 10 bucks cash between them, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I never carry cash. I've got my cash reserve in a safe in my closet. But Mrs. OG knows the combination of the safe, and every time I put money in, it magically disappears. I'm not exactly sure how that works. <laughs> you, the the uh, key to the safe disappears? The combo? No, no. The cash disappears. Because I go to the casino, and then I make money, and then I put my winnings in my cash reserve. Duh. Duh. And... <laughs> something about you took it out of the bank account to begin with so it's still my money i don't know i don't follow her logic but is the bank account in the casino the same thing is this a euphemism it hey, seems like it. it should be look at i go to the atm i put in my number and it tells me how much i want at the casino <laughs> that's how much i've got exactly but it limits it to 300 dollars a day well there you go hey welcome to uh gamblers anonymous podcast <laughs> that's bad uh, welcome to Stacky Benjamins for a Wednesday and for a happy Hamilton Day Wednesday. I wish if it weren't licensed, we could play music from Hamilton today to celebrate uh, that. Have you seen it? I have not. No. And Cheryl wants okay. to see it super duper. duper Bring duper. your American Express card from what I understand. Oh, yeah. And make sure it's not inexpensive to get in. Right. No, isn't that the kind of show you run a balance for? So you don't want the American Express card. You want the one that you can play 21% for several oh, months yeah. on? Well, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Space those payments out. Pay over time. Yeah. Hey, you know how you tell everybody you know about Hamilton? How's that? You Slack. Because Slack is the collaboration hub for work. Thanks to Slack for supporting Stacky Benjamins. We use Slack extensively and exclusively here in the basement daily not even, hourly i was gonna say minute Minutely. by minute by minute yeah i just slacked something to richie we're going over some graphics for the tour og we're taking the show on the road and uh looking at some cool posters that are going to hang outside of the halls that we play at in kansas city orlando and detroit we take the show on the road, but we slack those back and forth talking about what we like, what we don't like. Slack's the collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people on the team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. Notice we didn't include OG on any of those posters. We just... It's <laughs> <laughs> not shocking. <laughs> not at all. Learn more at slack.com. We're also presented by Magnify Money. You know, how about 45 Hamiltons in your wallet? That's what Magnify Money brings to the average person who goes there to visit, whether it's a better checking account with lower fees, maybe a no-fee checking account, better rates on your savings, uh, get that debt organized. Magnify Money is the way to go. If you haven't checked this out in a little while, if it's been six months or eight months, interest rates have changed a little bit. And so banks have responded at different tempos. Some banks respond right away when these interest rates rise and they increase your savings and some are lagging behind. And it's also affecting credit card interest rates too. You know, there's some credit card companies that immediately raise their rates as the interest rates rise and some that are 
lagging and that's a good thing for you. So if you haven't checked in a little while what your savings account rate is or your if you're carrying a balance on your credit card, might be time to do a balance transfer. Well, and with interest rates going up, there's never a better time than now to lock in those rates, right? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money to get your financial act together. They make it easy for you to compare, compare, ditch, switch, ditch, switch, and save. But on boom, bada bing, but on boom. I don't, that's my own my own version of that, apparently. Rosemary Groner, the busy budgeter from busybudgeter.com is here. OG, she's given us 10 ideas to save 10 bucks or more in 10 minutes. That was the mission I laid out for Rosemary. So she's upstairs with mom. But first, right. we've got some headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's wow, headlines. I'm shocked to see this. This is out of Bloomberg a couple of weeks ago. Adam Hay and Eric Lamb did this reporting. Bitcoin bloodbath nears dot-com levels as many tokens go to zero. Have you seen this? Uh, I mean, I didn't see this article, but I know that this is happening. Yeah, Bitcoin's meteoric rise last year. Many observers calling it one of the biggest speculative manias in history. Lots of fear missing out going on, especially in January of this year. The, that's, by the way, my commentary, not in the piece. Let's go back to the piece. The cryptocurrency's 2018 crash may help cement its place in the bubble record books. Down about 70% from its December high, Bitcoin is getting even closer to matching the NASDAQ composite's 78% peak to trash plunge after the U.S. dot-com bubble burst around the turn of the century. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. That was the, the whole pets.com. I remember being on phone calls with mutual fund managers doing our due diligence as advisors, because then we didn't have the, the ETF thing was just, just barely starting to roll. So you yeah, spent, it really didn't exist at that point. No, you spent a lot of time talking to active managers. And I remember active managers talking about the new economy and about all these fundamentals don't matter anymore. None of this matters anymore. What matters is growth and eyeballs. And that's all that matters. And what's funny is, that lasts for a while, OG. But then guess what it comes down to? Balls. Oh. <laughs> Hundreds of other virtual coins have all but gone to zero following the same path as Pets.com and other red hot initial public offerings that flamed out in the early 2000s. All kinds of Bitcoin-like cryptos have come out and gone bye-bye. Well... When it's not based on anything. While Bitcoin's bounced back from bigger losses before, it's far from clear that it can repeat the feat now that much of the world knows about cryptocurrencies and made up their minds on whether to invest. Bulls point to the NASDAQ's eventual recovery and say institutional investors represent a massive pool of potential cryptocurrency buyers, but regulatory and security concerns have so far kept most big money managers on the sidelines. I just read an article the other day about India their high court just passed, upheld a ruling or passed a ruling, something along those lines, effectively outlawing Bitcoin. Hmm? I didn't read the whole thing. I read the headline and I read like the opening paragraph because this doesn't affect me. A, I'm not in India and B, I don't have Bitcoin. So yeah, dilly gaff. But I think what it points to is that it's not just the SEC we're worried about. We're worried about ac across the globe, there yeah. is regulation coming. It's just a matter of time that regulation's sure. coming to cryptocurrency. The wild, wild west. Yeah. I mean, right now you have these two different outlooks, even in the U.S., the SEC ruling on one hand that it's not a security and the IRS on the other saying it's not legal tender. 
okay, if it's not a security, it's not legal tender. What the hell is it? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the two, yeah. the two and dashes. Yeah. The two different parts of the U S government that would be involved in this are calling it something different than what it is. Right. Not, not sure, but it has to land somewhere. Uh, you can't have the SEC and the IRS calling it different things. And so lots, lots more out there. I don't know, man, this has always been buyer beware. We've talked about for a long time, some sort of crypto is the future electronic monies that make transactions even easier. But the idea of getting rid of government regime oversight, which was one of the things that people really wanted as a hallmark, probably never going to happen. Well, again, I think that the technology is what's the interesting piece, not the quote unquote investment component of it. I was just talking the other day, a friend of mine who uh, I was at the store when I was on the phone and I just ran in to grab something and he could hear me talking to the cashier and he heard me talk to him and he said, did you already pay? And I said, yeah. And he says, uh, it was like 12 seconds. How, <laughs> how did you, don't you have to put your card in? You wait a while and it goes beep, 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 beep. And then you get a sign and stuff like that. I said, no, 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 just use Apple pay. It's like literally takes as fast as it can read your fingerprint. It goes done. And so that sort of speed, I think, and making it faster, that's where this technology is going and will benefit people. And I think that's why guys, you know, some of the big players down on Wall Street, guys like Jamie Dimon, on one end, Jamie Dimon's poo-pooing it. On the other end, he's investing in it. And I think it's exactly because his position mirrors yours very closely when he's had public comments about it. Yeah, that's, well, he calls me about (laughs) his positioning statements. Jamie Dimon's like, hey, uh, OG, listen, I got this big policy speech for CEO <laughs> conference on Bitcoin. What should my policy be? And then I tell him and then he does it. So I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. And then he says something like, well, that's one more picture of a koala I can take out of the deck. Right? I don't get that. Just pictures of bears and kitties and stuff that he was going to put up there until he talked to oh, you. Right. And yes. said he has a picture of a bag over his head. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. A lot more to come when it comes to Bitcoin. And in our second headline, in the spirit of stacking Hamilton's today instead of Benjamin's, let's welcome to my dad, Shortway, the CEO of the app. I personally use her money management, Clarity Money, Colin Kennedy. Hey, Colin, how are you, man? Doing an excellent show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to talk to you. Well, let's save a few Hamiltons using technology, shall we? I know you can't see individuals' data, you know, person by person, but I'm sure that you guys keep some microdata. What are some of the big budget items people can cut that you see a lot of people miss? Sure. So I think there are two main categories. So we see people, for example, for current recurring subscriptions, whether it's different periodicals or other things that they pay for on a periodic or monthly basis. And we give them the ability to cancel those. So users can take a look and say, wow, I'm paying for four or five different items on a monthly basis, $14, $10, $20. Press a button. We will cancel those for the user. So they get both that immediate savings that month. But more so, it's a sense of, hey, I can take control over my finances and I can do some things to help really advance and improve my financial health. Not to stop you halfway, but I used Clarity Money to do that exact thing. At first, you guys cut my cable bill by telling me that there were discounts that I wasn't taking advantage of. And then I realized how much money that was I was spending on that. And we, you know, started making moves to cut the cord. So nice job on both ends there. What are some other that's great to hear? I I can very much relate to that. (laughs) What are some other ways that people have a few Hamiltons hanging out their pocket that are easy to cut? What's gotten us excited is seeing really from the start tens of thousands of users opening up savings accounts within the application. 
and then starting to save on very frequently a monthly basis and then saving to different sources, different areas such as I want to save for a trip. I want to put money aside for my rainy day fund. I want to save for my backup pet care and really saving money that they may have otherwise spent and then having constant visibility into how that savings is growing over time as they contribute in an automated way on a weekly or, or a periodic monthly basis. That idea of hiding money from yourself, Colin, that really is the key to success, isn't it? It's so funny. We see it having two real effects for users. One, consumers really embrace that concept of, I get to take some control and I get to deal with the reality of my psychology and the psychology we all share, which is it's really easy to spend something if you have constant access to and it's not set aside. But if you let people in a way that's very comfortable, intuitive, and quick, set aside the funds such that they can access them when they want to and for what they want, they get that immediate kind of dopamine hit of, hey, I can take some action, I can do some things to improve my financial life. And it just makes it so much easier after that to take on those bigger things. It's really for us similar to when people start going to the gym and if you go in there and you think you have to do a two-hour workout to start, it's daunting. It's going to make anybody, certainly me, pull back and not want to engage but if you start and you do 15, 20 minutes and it works and it's manageable and you see some benefits, you're that much more comfortable to engage going forward. That's funny you say that because I was reading just yesterday a hack, Colin, where a guy said he would go to the gym and his goal was to go to the gym and do one rep. And then every time he went in there to do one rep, he said, well, hell, as long as I'm here, I might as well do the whole workout. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And for us, the analogy is clearly we see people going in and saying, hey, I'm just going to take a look to see how my finances are, are progressing. I want to look at my financial picture. We're very focused on you can't, you want to give people information, but in a very positive, easy to action way. And when you engage users like that, we see consumers much more willing to poke around a bit and say, okay, I have some debt over here. Perhaps I can refinance part of that. Perhaps I can save more. Perhaps I can open up an investment account. And it's really so much for us is giving them the ability to do that within the application so they don't have to leave. And so it's really as easy as possible for them to action whatever intentions and uh, desires they have. For an app like yours, I'm sure you see some differences between power users and the more casual users. Are there some mm -hmm. features of an app like yours you see that some people are wringing a lot out of that casual users don't even maybe know about? Yeah, great question. So I think there, there are a couple things. One is we see users who are using it on a very frequent basis really go in and dive into the different merchants where they're spending the most. So users who use it on a regular basis take advantage of one of our features, which is the ability to see what are your top five spending merchants. And so you can go in and click, hey, um, I spent at Merchant X in the last week Y dollars over the last year this amount of money. And seeing that aggregate amount of how much you've spent at different places, especially your top five, we see it can help influence people, change their behavior a bit. We also see couples, so users who go, who go in and, and both members of the family are using Clarity or both, or they have both of their accounts connected, which takes just 30 seconds to do. Those consumers get into um, interesting conversations that we've heard in focus groups and other interactions where they each get a little bit more visibility into how the other is spending. And it really can foster much more of a partnership type conversation and much more of a, of a discussion around what are they really, where do they really want to be spending? And seeing that uh, activity, the spending and the income on both sides can give a, a level of comfort and kind of demystify the financial conversation. It can be hard for some couples. I, I'm always curious about technology, guys, and what, what what things you use in your daily life besides Clarity Money. So what are some apps that you use outside of Clarity Money to help you get through your day? 
Yeah, so for me, there are a couple that I'll go to that I really get excited about, and I really always like trying the new ones. So aside from being kind of a uh, heavy Clarity user, uh, I still love using the driving application ways. I'm blessed with a horrific, comically bad sense of action, <laughs> and I just love uh, how when so quickly combined technology with crowdsourcing and with the data really easy and intuitive to use. I'm a total news junkie, so any news that's out there, I will pick up in, diff- in different forms. There are a couple of the larger uh, newspapers whose applications I actually really love because it can be so dynamic and give you access both to video and graphics and text. Um, so those are two that I'll go to on a regular basis, especially being a commuter in New York. There's never uh, uh, a time when, when I don't have more than a few moments during the day to check out a lot of news and uh, see what's going on in the world. It's funny not to sound like too much of a fanboy, but one of the first apps I click on when I'm on on my commute is Clarity Money because you guys always show me my grocery bill like right up top. Maybe that's because it's one of my top five all the time, but I know how much money I'm spending at Albertsons and it also gives me the weather. Who decided to put the weather on Clarity Money? You bring up a great point. So for us, there are a couple of things that we take um, extremely seriously as based on what we hear from consumers. And the first part is none of us are excited to engage with finances in general. If I say, hey, Colin, I'm going to talk to you about your finances, I tend to pull back. I tend to get a little bit afraid. I tend to think that whoever's speaking with me or engaging with me is going to be trying to sell me something. So our approach with Clarity is we're giving you access to information way where to your point, you actually want to keep on engaging. So when you open up the app, it's a little bit of a welcoming experience. So it's here's your name, here's an inspirational quote, here's the weather. And that takes up, as you've seen, probably at the top third or so of the screen. And then you also see the overview of your finances and you can dig in. But there's that sense of control. You're not going to be hit with with different quote products to purchase by any means. You're just giving being you're being given access to your finances overall and then some insights that you can action if they can hopefully help you save money and do more of what you want to do in the long term. I do have one question before I let you go, Colin, about you guys. Uh, we reported on the news recently that you guys are part of the Goldman Sachs family now. Congratulations. How does that change things you. for you? So it changes things and it doesn't. So what I mean by that is really our goal coming in to being part of the Goldman family and specifically the Marcus by Goldman Sachs family is to ensure users what has made them join Clary in the first place. So we're very proud, very excited that we went from zero users last January to over a million. And a lot of that's been driven by taking a very consumer-focused approach where we are really giving people that access to the information and advocating for them by giving them insights they can action. None of that has, has changed. And that's a very uh, certainly a very deliberate effort. And more importantly, when we look at the feedback from consumers, when we look at feedback on social or different comments that we receive, the sentiments have been uh, very much in line with that in terms of in terms of user feedback. What it does change, what it does give us access to, is clearly a set of resources and support, a breadth of, of assets that simply we and other fintechs would not by nature have. So having access to the entire offering that Marcus by Goldman Sachs has, all of not just the strengths of the brand and the dedication to delivering on consumer value in other areas, but having access to that broad set of assets certainly gives us a lot of things that we can bring to bear and can add to the Clarity offering. You'll see those over time being added in uh, in a way that's consistent with the principles that I mentioned. So really look forward to coming back with some interest and talking about some of the specific additions as we roll those out in the the coming quarters. That's awesome. That'd be exciting to watch. Hey, hey, uh, last question. Any single success story using Clarity you've seen lately that you can share? Sure. The one that comes to mind for me that I remember uh, still very, very strongly is we had a focus group and 
walked in and there was a, a user, uh, a woman who was spending a lot of time very intently looking at the application, really going through and clicking on different screens. And I went over and I had not been with Clarity that, that long at, the, at that point. It, it, it was fairly early on in the journey. And I went over very excited to talk about this really sophisticated artificial intelligence that we had developed on the back end and how we were applying that in ways that can really give all of us better access to our finances. And it was an aha moment because she looked up at me and said, hey, that's really not what I'm interested in. What I care about, and it's of course what we all care about, is simply, are you giving me direct, clear, quick access to information? And what can I do here to help improve my finances? And she was one who immediately saw, like, I said, great, you're right. Let's take a look at this. She saw two subscriptions that she wasn't aware that she had, which is the same thing that happened to me when I first started using Clarity. Canceled those two subscriptions. We quickly calculated that it was clearly hundreds of dollars in, in savings over the course of a year. And to see the look of satisfaction, to see that, that bit of the smile, not just because of the immediate savings, but again, because it's a sense that, hey, I can actually control things a bit and better manage my finances overall. That was a pretty cool thing to say. That's what I love. I love the human aspect of the fintech movement in general and also what you guys are doing over there. Colin, man, thanks for spending a few minutes with us helping us save some Hamiltons today. Excellent. Always a pleasure. Look forward to coming back and talking about Hamiltons or Benjamins or whatever else is helpful. Thanks again to Colin for hanging out with us for a few minutes. But, OG, you know, something that I, I absolutely love is it doesn't have to be Clarity Money. I mean, we talked a lot about that app. But whatever technology you use, it can make it so much easier for you to control your financial picture. And I think that that's our first takeaway today is, you know, press the easy button whenever you possibly can. And uh, lesson number two, a cryptocurrency, still more to come. What is that? Caveat emptor, buyer beware? You speak uh, the Latina. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's about it. You did a hell of a job in your Latin class in third grade, I can tell. Rosemary Groner is the proprietor of The Busy Budgeter. These people have a huge, huge online presence with just tons of uh, followers on Facebook and lots and lots of readers of The Busy Budgeter site. Rosemary is somebody who not only does a great job helping people save money, but she's also been very intentional about how she's built The Busy Budgeter She's somebody whom I've admired for a long, long time. So we're very excited to have her on the show. Let's say hello to Rosemary Groner, who's bringing us 10 ideas, each one that'll save you more than 10 bucks. Rosemary, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. I actually haven't been in a boy's basement in a very long time. So this is great. Well, I'm glad I got you with the come look at my record collection thing. I, I'm so, Im I, yeah, I'm so impressed. <laughs> She's I like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, not at all. No, actually, I'm glad you're here because the very, when we decided to celebrate National Hamilton's Day, you were the first person I thought of. Because if there's anybody who's got a ton of tips to save 10 bucks, it's probably you. It's totally me. I, yeah, I won this award, hands down. Well, and let's talk about how you won that award, hands down, because you're somebody with an interesting story yourself. How did you create the Busy Budgeter? Oh my gosh. So I was actually a state trooper and I bet you're thinking to yourself, wow, I don't see that because nobody else sees that either. I was a state trooper for like nine years and I wanted to quit my job so bad to stay home with my son. So 
So what I did was I figured out a way to reduce our spending by $23,000 a year. And I quit my job. I started a home daycare at home and I actually made up my entire salary working from home. And we paid off a little over $30,000 worth of debt. That's so, amazing. And then in uh, pretty much at the end of that journey, I created the blog, The Busy, Bu- Busy Budgeter. I can't even say my own name. The Busy Budgeter. And we just kind of exploded from there. So it's been it's been a crazy, crazy ride. How long did it take you to pay off the 30000 in debt? So let's see, from the very first, probably about three years. Okay. But it took us the whole year to figure out how to reduce the spending by 23000 So the rest of it came off really quickly. Which really was the key, wasn't it? I mean, it was, yes. it was less about the debt, more about the spending control, I would think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And most people don't understand that. Well, and I want to get back to that, but... We do. We we make sure we know who's coming on our show. But I didn't know the whole state trooper thing. You, have you did to, it. No, but you have to. So, so every cop I know has at least one great. You would never believe this story. You you must have something that happened that was just surreal. I feel like I've got a lot of them, but honestly, like it's so hard for me to even think back to that time. When I talk about it, I'm like, that's a different person. Like I didn't really do that. We've had foot chases and car chases and lots of exciting stuff, but it honestly, it doesn't even seem, it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Well, it it has been because you've been rocking at the busy budgeter. (laughs) So you have promised me that you have 10 $10 $10 savings tips that we can do yes. in 10 minutes. Yes. All right. So we're getting ready to start the timer. Are you ready to go? Well, let's do it. All right. We got five, four. I don't even believe I'm counting this down. And tip number one to save 10 bucks. Tip number one is to pack two lunches for the week instead of eating out. Super easy. If you need to, you go PB&J. You just stick it in a bag and you're ready to roll. We do the whole week and we stick them in the fridge at a time. Every single meal, you can save about $6. So if you did that for two days, you'd have your $10. That's funny because, I mean, just two days. Two days. Yeah. Imagine if you did it all week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So tip number two. No, wait a minute. We still got 30 seconds because I want to go through. I want to go through each of these just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. You tell her I know. She's like, oh, I got another one. (laughs) Yeah, you've got like 30 of these, I'm sure. But do you spend much time on coupons? No. And that's actually another tip. So Ah. I am not a huge fan of coupons because I don't think they save as much. They like when we use them, I end up eating food that I probably shouldn't eat and hoarding a lot of stuff. Now, there are some people who do it successfully. We use something called Ibotta. So Ibotta is a money saving app and it lets you use coupons on generic items. So if you like buy a head of lettuce or buy a loaf of bread and it can be a generic item, it doesn't have to be any specific brand. We had uh, a discussion in our basement Facebook group just recently about Ibotta and somebody asked who used it. And a bunch of people said, I use it, I use it, I use it, I use it. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this even is. Oh, you have to get it. It's so good. It's so good. How does it work? I mean, essentially, like if you want to go like five levels deep marketing, what they're doing is they're like, they know you like sour cream. So they're going to show you like a quick little five second ad on sour cream. But I don't really care because they give me like 50% off and I can use it on the generic brand and not like the fancy brand. So I'll take it. Cool. That was my fault. I sent you over by asking all that. Number two. (laughs) I know it's your fault. Okay. So use the library to borrow two books instead of buying two books. And Uh, this can actually save you in just one book if you're going for like really like cookbooks or anything like that. And second benefit of that is you don't have a whole house cluttered with stuff. 
so we started doing this. I have not bought a book in many, many years. I couldn't even tell you how many years. Have you ever had a book that you wanted to get from the library and you had to wait for it? You had to reserve it for later? No, because what I find is I'm the only one that uses the library, it feels like. It feels like everyone else is buying the books. I had Erin Chase. I had her cookbook, the $5 Dinner Mom cookbook, for two years. I just kept re-renewing re it. Now, I will say that was probably the last book I bought because when I met her at FinCon, I was like, well, I'm going to go buy your book because I felt so guilty. I'm like, you're a lovely woman. I'm sorry that I gypped you out of that yeah, well, $10. Those, right? those $5 dinners are good. Like, like it's seriously good stuff. But sticking with the library here for a second, it's funny because we are moving, and maybe some people listening don't know that. So the basement's moving. Uh, yeah. And so you can see all the, these used to be full of board games right there. Uh, (laughs) but the frustrating thing is, is I owned a lot of books and I thought, why do I still own these books? And I think, well, someday I might read it again. And I thought to your point, Rosemary, I thought, well, why don't I just get it from the library if I'm going to read it again? Like, why am I letting it sit here for 10 years and nobody else can read it? Yes. So we donated a ton of books to the library. That's awesome. We even organize everything in Goodreads so I can keep coming back to my favorites and I can find new ones. Fantastic. Number three. Number three, use coupons for things that you're going to buy anyway. And that's where we get into Ibotta. So if I am not talking about like, I don't want you to have a coupon box or like, you know, any of that craziness. I'm talking about download the app. I bought it. When you go through your list, after you make your grocery list, just pop off the things you're going to have anyway. Everybody almost always has frozen veggies, milk, bread, bag of cheese. And these are things that they offer every week. So if you could just do that, it takes a couple of seconds. It gives you consistent money back. And we paid for Christmas two years in a row, just from Ibotta. Just from the savings. Just from the savings of Ibotta. And we didn't buy a single thing that wasn't already on our list. All right. I got a question for you, which is an app that we use. So we shop down the street at Albertsons and they have an app and we walk through that and all the stuff that we were going to buy anyway, we see if it's all on sale. Is Abada the kind of thing where I can use my Albertsons app and the Abada app or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can use that. And if you have real coupons, you can combine them with real coupons. Abada is just like an extra level of savings. But for me, it's the perfect thing because I am not the type of person to spend. And we have AB tested it. We've done it where we've like couponed like really, really extensively in the past. But for me, this is always for the amount of time that you put in it and the amount of money that you get back. This is always the win for me. Awesome. What does that bring us to? Number four? Number four is to quickly call your insurance company and ask if they can give you a recommendation on a prescription by mail service. So the number one way to save a lot of money in your prescriptions is if your insurance company, and most of them do, have a preferred prescription program. So if they don't have a prescription program, there's still lots and lots of options out there. And you can do a quick Google search to find them. PillPack is um, my current favorite. They handle all my dad's meds. But there's a lot of different options out there, and you can save a lot of money comparative to just going to the grocery store to pick yours up. Extra benefit is that you no longer have to make that errand, and they ship it straight to your front door. Ah, no, that's nice, too. Time savings where you can make more money if you're so inclined. The question there, when you move from the brick-and-mortar pharmacy to a mail-order pharmacy, it seems like there might be a couple things we should watch out for. Are there? The one thing that I would say is that it's not something you should – well, yeah. First of all, we're always going to go with somebody that's recommended, right? Yeah. So that's why you're going to call your insurance company because you don't really want to get drugs from Canada. That sounds like a really bad idea. Because you can tell those crazy Canadians. <laughs> I was just picturing everybody Googling, oh, look, I found one from Ethiopia. This is great. It's fantastic. It's 10 cents. Yeah, no, don't do that. 
So the second thing that is going to be a little bit different is that obviously instead of calling your your local pharmacy, if you have any problems or questions, you just call like they have an online nurse line or a customer service gotcha. number. But either way, you should be talking to a pharmacist. Awesome. And the halfway point, number five. Number five, start having meatless Mondays. Meat is usually the most expensive part of a meal, and you can find much cheaper sources of protein, beans, cheese, things like that. One thing I'll say is if your spouse is like, yeah, that's not happening, I found that if you call it Pizza Monday instead of Meatless Monday, it goes over really well. <laughs> that's that's funny. I thought about that when my kids were home, that my kids just, it's all branding. It's all if we yeah, can. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all branding. I never thought of that. I'm so good at marketing. This is why. <laughs> I'll say this too about some of these meatless meals, because I just started doing a thing health-wise where I tried to make one meal meatless a day. I got that recommendation. And yeah. oh my God, I feel so much better. Like I feel yeah. so much better not having so much of that. I never realized. Uh, Telling you these vegans, they've tapped into something here. <laughs> We're missing out. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be a fad. I don't know. Right. right. <laughs> Number six. Cancel your home phone if you have one. And please tell me you don't have one because I feel like no one should have a home phone anymore. And just switch to self-service only. Here's the, the thing is that no one is really calling your home phone, right? The only people that call your home phone are telemarketers. So you save money every single month and you don't have to be interrupted constantly by telemarketers calling you. So your cell phone plan has different ways to like block things. So like in an iPhone, I can block people. I can block spam telemarketers. I can even set up do not disturb time. So like if I'm at work or if I'm working in my home office and I don't want to be bothered, I can click on do not disturb. They'll let my favorites call in and they'll let anybody call in if they call twice in three minutes. But everybody else I can block. You don't have those options in a home phone. And then you actually pay for that distraction and inconvenience. That's fantastic. And I think about, you know, part of me thinks, really, somebody might still have a home phone. But on the other side, I remember how hard it was for me to give it up. Yeah. Like for yeah. me to actually pull the cord, pull the ripcord yeah. there was tough. It's so worth it though. You're going to be so much happier when you do. And Absolutely. you can take that $10 and go do something really fun. Well, and I love the idea of the blocks because I find that, you know, while we say that we're great at multitasking, we really aren't. And being able oh. to stay on point, you're somebody that's great at that, by the way. Yeah. Staying on point is Bam. huge to winning. So, <laughs> but seriously, I know you're very protective of your time, aren't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a fortress over here. Yeah. Number, what are we on? Seven? Seven. Holy cow. Okay. So number seven, I feel like we're going to get some pushback on, but if you just try it, you're going to love it. So number seven is ditch paper towels and switch to cloths and hand towels. This is the one thing, like we did all this stuff to save money and everybody was fine with it. And then when we ditched paper towels, they were like, oh, what? Why would you do that? So here's the thing, even like from someone that really likes nice things, I prefer this. We still use paper towels for things that are super gross, like think chicken juice, but as far as like drying clean hands, we use Williams-Sonoma bar towels, which are not super cheap, but we still save a ton of money. We're talking like $10 a month minimum. It's probably a lot more than that. And they look so much nicer than a bunch of paper towels everywhere. You have less trash that you have to lug out to the trash can. And we use Grove Collaborative for like the nice bar cloths for my husband. And we use microfiber cleaning cloths that you just get from Walmart for just wiping off tables and things like that. So basically, like if you come into my house, it looks like Martha Stewart's kitchen with really fancy cleaning stuff. But I actually spend less than most people who have like a ton of paper towels. Maybe this is the guy of me, but when you said, Probably. I'm going to get some pushback on this, I'm thinking, oh, she's going to come across here with something that I'm going <laughs> to, oh no, I don't want all these emails 
It's something that's, you know, political or whatever. And it's paper pushback on paper towels. Dude, we used to have friends come over for dinner and they would bring us paper towels because they didn't want to have to go through the meal without them. I'm like, are we, are you okay? Like this is, we still get friends bring us paper towels. I'm like, I promise you I can afford paper towels now. Like we have a lot of money. We're okay. Well, I was thinking about that. We don't use paper towels much, but we do use them as napkins sometimes. See, and so this would switch that. Now we have like the really nice William Sonoma yes. claws as napkins. Yes. But, well, and yeah. then I'm thinking about cleaning those things all the time, but it's really not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Yeah. Once you have a laundry system that works, which <laughs> we could have a whole other podcast about that. It's like minimal time. Like it takes, I would say it's zero extra time. I think I'm just sending them to your blog for, for, the, know, uh, for the washing like, advice. Yeah. I'll teach you laundry too. <laughs> I, by the way, as scintillating as that sounds to have you back to talk washing, I, I might skip that. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to, but number, what does that bring us to? Number eight? Number eight. Call, I said every company, but honestly, you could just call one company. But if you call every company that sends you a bill and ask how you can reduce your bill, you are almost guaranteed to save $10 on every single bill. And we actually did this. We called every single company that sends us a monthly bill and we were able to get every single company reduced. And I think what happens is we think, well, everybody pays the same price. We can't get like a better deal. Oh yeah. Those are all negotiable. Every single one of them. So I'm thinking through what that would be, like a cable bill? Cable bill. I mean, literally everything. So if you just go through like your monthly budget, so we even were able to do electric. Electricity gave us advice on like, well, they had us plug everything into, um, what do you call it? Like the outlets? Yeah. Power adapters. And then shut down the power adapters so that we don't keep electric on in the upstairs when we're not using it. But then when we are using it, like on weekends and stuff like that, we pop it back on air conditioning. We got a nest. So that reduces that cost. Anything, any bill at all, uh, cell phone plans, we were able to reduce any bill at all that you've got coming in every month. You should be able to reduce. That's so interesting. I'll tell you, I did a portion of this, but I wimped out. I mean, I went through bill shark who did it for me. Right. Yeah. And Hey, I only kept half of it, but I was amazed by how many different things they canceled or changed or lowered or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many things. And that for me, the key is to call them and be like, Hey, we're really tight on money. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about ethics, but I'm okay with saying that even if I'm not, Hey, we're really tight on money. We're trying to reduce our bills. What can I do to reduce this bill? We had such good experiences. Everybody was going out of their way. They give us lists of things that we could do. And then the other thing is that if you ask that in like a Facebook group or something like that, that's when you get a lot of advice about just switching companies altogether. So if you say, I pay X amount of money for the cell phone service and you throw that in, you know, the basement group over there, you're going to have 30 different responses of, well, I pay this amount with this company. And then that gives you a really good jumping point of who to switch to. I love asking it that way because, you know, you talked about ethics, but I don't think it's unethical. I think that it's, it. I mean, it's, I don't want to pay more than I have to. Somebody, right. somebody else yeah. is getting this rate. I'm not the only one who's going to get this rate. Yes. Why, why would I pay more money than somebody else down the street who's getting this price? Exactly. So, which, which, by the way, to ask it that way, Rosemary, is way more confrontational. Like, I don't think I'm getting the lowest rate. No, you don't got to right. do that. Don't. But if you if you put them on your side, and, and I think that's why we had so much success of it, is we put them on our side. Like, yeah. hey, you know, people like to be important. Like, hey, is there anything you can, how can I help? You know, where do I, and not be afraid to do the work. So if they told us to go use all the power adapters and things like that, I made a list and we went and did it all. Yeah, like, please help me. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Is this number nine? 
Yeah, number nine. <laughs> Where did the tongue okay. go? Number nine is a good one. It's one of my favorites. Stop drinking soda. Oh, so it has yeah. like almost no health, but it has no health benefits. I don't know why I said almost. It has no health benefits. I promise you won't miss it. You're going to feel amazing and you're going to save way more than $10. Unless your and mom's neighbor, the- Doug, who switched to scotch and then it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe not the best idea. <laughs> and you could do that too, like if it's something like beer or wine. But I mean, at least somebody can make an argument that beer or wine may have like some sort of health benefits. But soda literally has no redeeming qualities. And it's fairly expensive. Like if you go out to a lunch and you have soda, it's $2 minimum. In my mind, that is money that you are going to be so happy to have. And particularly, let's talk about how much you're going to spend on soda over the course of your life. Man, you could go to Hawaii. There's one less trip you have to, that Coca-Cola pays for, right? There. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. This trip sponsored by Coca-Cola, by Mountain Dew, whatever. It's awkward. Yeah. We'll scrap that. We'll no. go right from eight to 10. <laughs> right. All right. And uh, I wish I had a drum roll. Maybe Steve can put one in here for us. Drum roll number 10. Good. This is my favorite. I saved the best for last. Create an informal babysitting co-op with friends. And this oh, sounds really scary, but it's so simple. Goodness. All it is, you just call a friend that wants to save money. And you say, hey, rather than paying for date night babysitters, how about I watch your kids this weekend and you watch my kids next weekend? That's so done. awesome. You can even do vacations. If you're like, hey, we want to go away for the whole weekend. If we watch your kids, we watch ours. Boom. Done. No money spent. And the person that's watching the kids is a much easier night because by some weird law of I don't even know what, like if you have two groups of kids together and they're all playing, it's actually easier to take care of the group of them than just your own kids. That is incredible. Where were you when my twins were still here? I know. Such, <laughs> such a great idea. That's a great you idea. You Hawaii spending your soda savings. We were talking to, we have uh, uh, listeners help us with some of our Money in the Morning podcast and John from the show, he has four kids. And he was talking about one of his biggest lines in his budget are babysitters. Like it is, well, he was giving people advice to catch them while they're young before they know they're not getting that much money, catch them, like be the first one. And then you kind of set the standard before everybody else. $8 an hour. I'm so lucky. I know. But think about that. If you say $8 an hour, but then you turn that into a big fat zero and all you got to do is take care of somebody else's kids and they're going to be play with your kids. Yes. So both moms usually get the day off. Like I spent mine organizing and planning and it's super fun day for me too. That's fantastic. And for some reason, entertaining my kids' friends never felt like work. It's not because they entertain each other and then you go get to do the stuff that you want to do. You only have to be present. But I'm saying even if I did have to entertain them a little bit, because I know the kids, you know, I know the kids. So they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great time. Wow. Too bad you didn't bring it today, Rosemary. I feel bad for I know, our listeners. I, Holy cow. High five me. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice work. Well, let's talk about the busy budgeter because you've got a ton of stuff there all the time going on. Uh, yeah. Tell everybody about the site because this is amazing. So we basically, we journaled how we reduced our spending by over $23,000. And then we talked about how we made up our money because we I made up my entire salary and then I ended up bringing my husband home. So I made up his salary too, made up a lot of salaries. And we just talk about the core element of everything we do is how to automate as much as possible in your life so that you have time to figure out the budget and you have time to figure out the groceries and the meal planning and all of this other stuff. Because I feel like as busy moms, particularly when we're working, we don't have time for that stuff. So it's just about making room in your life to be able to start creating change uh, rather than just constantly trying to catch up and stay ahead. Awesome. And it's all at busybudgeter.com. 
It is. Awesome. And you know what? If you're on your way to or from work or walking the dog or whatever, we've got you covered. We'll have a link to Busy Budgeter and all of Rosemary's tips on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com, plus a place to go for that scintillating laundry. <laughs> Talking laundry in the basement. I like it. Thanks a ton for hanging out, Rosemary. Thank you. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And in celebration of National Hamilton Day, I'm wearing a powdered wig. Just a safety tip. Powdered wigs and powdered sugar don't use the same powder. Found that out the hard way. But let's get you your trivia, shall we? While you may know that Hamilton the Musical pulled in well over half a million bucks in profits on Broadway alone, do you know how long it took the show to go from a concept that Lin-Manuel Miranda was telling his friends about to an actual Broadway show? I'll be back with the answer and a preview of my first Broadway show idea in just a moment. Thanks to Slack for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Slack's a collaboration hub, lets you organize your team's work in easily searchable channels. We're actually working extensively right now on our tour channel as we get ready to go to three cities live. If you're in Detroit, Orlando, or Kansas City, we're coming to see you at the end of September and October. And we've used Slack as we go back and forth designing all of the stuff for the tour, among other things, whether it's projects, interests, teams, or by the office. All the right people are always in the loop in easily searchable channels. Relevant information's always in one place, and new team members can easily get up to speed. Slack, where work happens. You reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. Imagine all these emails back and forth without Slack. It connects all the tools and services you need in one place and allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, searchable archives. It's all packed together in one easy-to-use app. In fact, it syncs with Google Drive, and now no matter who I get stuff from that goes into Google Drive documents, if somebody edits a document we're both working on together, I get a notice in Slack that that item has been worked on by the other contributor. It works wherever I go with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly. I can always pick up where I left off no matter where I'm at. And I can tailor Slack to my work with more than a thousand different apps. I don't have to switch across multiple tabs and platforms to keep updated with work. It's all together. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. We're also excited that our longest time sponsor of the show, Magnify Money, is with us because the average person saves $450 when they head to Magnify Money. And in fact, as we do, we try to do just about every week, I want to go to Magnify Money. So you hear me typing here, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And then bam, compare the best offers for savings accounts. Let's do that and get personalized offers. I'll click on that. I can put in the amount of money that I have and my zip code so we make sure that it's where I'm at, update the results, and the top interest rate, 2.05%. That's Salem 5 Direct. It gives me a score on the fine print. It also tells me what the minimum deposit I need. It's only a penny. Give you an example. Salem 5 Direct, I only need a penny to get there, and it's 2.05. PurePoint Financial is second. They get a worse grade for their fine print as a C. It takes $10,000 and I get 1.9. So it seems like I'm going with Salem 5 Direct over PurePoint Financial any day of the week. Then Poplar Direct at 1.85 
SFGI direct savings account at 1.81, Mutual One Bank at 1.81, then Dollar Savings Direct, Marcus by Goldman Sachs at 1.8, Sally Mae Allied, FNBO Direct, American Express Personal Savings, Discover, uh, Synchrony, Quorum, all at 1.75, a lot of them at 1.75. See how easy that was? All I did was I went to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, and I get to compare ditch, switch, and save, whether it's on savings accounts, checking accounts, but also if I'm trying to get my debt in order with a balanced transfer card, cashback reward, 0% interest cards, low interest cards, secured cards, all of the ways that I can consolidate and pay less interest to the man, it's all at Magnify Money. Using our link, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money says that we sent you. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And before I give you the thrilling answer to our Hamilton musical trivia, it's time for me to announce my own huge project that'll probably be bigger than Hamilton. Ready? Chester A. Arthur, The Poetry Jam. Has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought so. Tickets go on sale the second I Wikipedia some of his accomplishments. More on that soon, I'm sure. But now, let's wrap up the trivia question. Which was this, how long did it take the musical Hamilton to go from a concept that Lin-Manuel Miranda was telling his friends about to an actual Broadway show? The answer, Miranda first talked about his idea for the Hamilton mixtape musical, later shortened to just Hamilton, a full six years before the production opened on Broadway. See kids, like mom says, Rome wasn't built in a day and, and Hamilton wasn't born in a half decade. Get to work on your big idea. Get off your butt. Get after it, man. See ya. Thanks again to Rosemary for coming down to the basement. Some great ideas, OG. You and I don't talk about some of these $10 savings ideas. And I don't know that it's about the 10 bucks because you listen to Rosemary though. And it's more about just being intentional with your life, right? Don't not drink soda to save a few bucks. Like that's kind of the after effect. Like, to her point, sodas have no redeeming quality. So, so <laughs> well, it mixes nicely with Woodford, but otherwise, yes, <laughs> it's exactly where we went with that. I don't know if you were standing in the next room when she and I were talking. But I exactly. was eavesdropping. I yeah. Actually. yeah. What if, what if you're like, OG, and instead of the, uh, well, I actually threw Doug under the bus in that case, but, um, anyway, you know, what if you save all that money to use it to go toward the hard stuff? That was, yeah, exactly. that was my question. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG, and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. Stacks of tens, preferably banded together in big old stacks. Big stacks of Hamiltons. Big stacks of Hamiltons. Somebody in the basement had stacks of Hamiltons. Did you see that? I did. I think he was also suggesting that just because the color of the band was whatever a color blue or something that didn't mean that they weren't hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a long time since I worked in a bank. So I, I just thought it was funny. It was, it was yeah. pretty cool. I was wondering what the heck he was doing with all that money. <laughs> I, know, like, right? what, I mean, I, there's gotta be a backstory to, and then I have a big pile of cash, like poker tournament. You know, there's some other things that I thought. But of. if you notice the way that he posts stuff, whenever he posts stuff, it's just kind of, he just throws it out there 
and doesn't really respond. Just kind of, yeah. here's the next mysterious posting yeah. from Greg. vague booking, I think is what they call that. Yes. Yeah. Like when people post, ugh. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash basement. If you want the link to our uh, close Facebook group that we're talking about and you want to yeah. join in the hilarity, we don't get much done there, but we, uh, but we have a lot of fun. So things you appreciate. Things that I appreciate. Uh, stacks of tens. Yes. And my six X bear Bitcoin fund. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that baby's through the road. Go baby. Go. <laughs> That makes my stacks of tens. That's what or your loved ones in your time, and you stack enough Hamiltons, and uh, that bear fund goes and goes, and you'll have plenty of time for your loved ones. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Go ahead and do it now. There's a pause button. It's important enough, OG, for you to do it right now. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life, and you'll see how different it is. No waiting several weeks for a decision. All policies issued by the parent company, Mass Mutuals, more than 160 years old. So you know that you've got strength in their corner and the application is amazingly simple and online and you get this instant coverage decision. All right. We're going to cover a question though from a friend and here's our new BFF, Tracy. Say hi, Tracy. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Tracy. First time caller, long time listener. Question about opening up a child Roth IRA for. Before we get to the child Roth IRA, when they say that, because they say that on shows that have been around for, are we supposed to like ring a bell or something? Yeah, that's what the uh, Dan Patrick show does when people call in instead of saying, uh, hey, Dan, uh, first time, long time. Like they don't say that. They say, uh, hey, Dan, 62220. And then he rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes, sometimes people will call in and they'll go, you know, 63. 295. He's like, whoa. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> it's a different kind of kind of deal. Yeah, it's a different show. I don't it's think we're gonna show, do that. Right? Maybe we should talk about the size of your stack or something. I don't know. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not going there. Nope. Uh, All right. Back to our anyway. Call. Tracy, we'll think about what the heck we do. But I but I immediately wanted to have a cowbell here, which she said first time, Ding. long time. Wanted to have something. Uh but back we have to your a cowbell. It's the it's you get a t-shirt. Uh, well, that is right. That's that's correct. I wish we could like have a rustled up sound. For, if I wish T-shirts made noise so we could. Anyway, these uh, are too soft. What's Tracy that's asking that's us about? She's asking us about uh, Roth IRA, I think. For a kid. For my nine-year-old daughter, I own a side business selling indirect sales. And my daughter helps me sorting inventory and doing pictures for my Facebook group and stuff like that. And I want to pay her a thousand dollars for helping me with this, but I want to deposit it into her Roth IRA. And I was wondering, does my business need to show an expense of paying her a thousand dollars? Should she ever get audited as whether or not she really got income in the future? So if you could talk about that, that would be awesome. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Great question. And actually, Tracy, easy and difficult all rolled into one, I think, OG. A couple of things with paying kids. First of all, you have to pay them a commensurate amount of money based on the work that they do, right? So you're not going to pay your daughter $150,000 for taking pictures, right? A few bucks an hour per project or something. Establish some sort of written documentation on how you came up with a thousand bucks. I don't have a problem with the number, 
but you want to, from like you said, from a quote unquote audit standpoint, you want to say, oh, well, she works 10 hours a month. I give her 10 bucks an hour. We don't work in December or June. That's a thousand bucks. Okay. Secondly, you do want to run it through payroll if you can, because uh, that's going to establish her her work history. There's not going to be any taxes due, not any federal taxes anyway. She'll have to pay FICA, Medicare, but that's the 7%, right? So 7.65, so it's 70 bucks. But it also gives them the experience of like getting a paycheck minus taxes. Hey like, yo. here's your paycheck. I gave you a thousand bucks. Just kidding. You really get 935 or whatever the math works out to be. Your tax return will incorporate her earnings up to a certain amount. I think the number is around 6,800 bucks. You don't really report kid earnings and that sort of stuff. So there's no tax forms to file or any of that sort of jazz. And you're right. Then it does give you the opportunity to demonstrate that she had earned income, which is the key component to contributing to a Roth. So there are a few steps. A simple payroll company will help walk you through that. Your accountant or CPA will help you uh, fill out the right paperwork at the end of the year, you know, justify the the W-2 that you pay your daughter and that sort of stuff. That's what the little OGs do around here. They uh, fill up the shred box and uh, fill up staplers and help with the general office stuff and they get a few bucks for it. Well, they don't get any money. They they get a paycheck for it. And same thing goes right in the Roth. Good stuff. Thanks for the question, Tracy. We also get letters down here in the basement, and Doug just brought down the mail. This one comes to us from Corey. Corey says, am I saving enough for retirement or not? I make $75,000 a year, 34 years old, and save 20% in a 401k. I have two rental properties that profit $1,000 a month that we save. When I turn 60, I'll get a railroad pension. Today's dollars will be $4,200 a month for me and $2,200 for my spouse cost of living adjusted. We have about 150000 in the 401k right now, all invested in Vanguard funds. What you think, Corey? Corey, well, what do you think about how Corey's doing there, OG? Whew, that's to unpack there. So saving, he said 30% into his 401k? 20. 20% into slacker, his 401k. Slacker, by the way. Slacker, yeah, only saving 20. Yeah, no kidding. So here's how I want to calculate this just kind of real quickly. I can do the calculation if you want, Joe, just kind of yeah. live. I'll just make it up as I go. All right. So, uh, so he makes 75,000 a year, you said? Yes. Um, and saving, saving 20% of that. So let's say that he lives on the rest, which is about 60. So 34. And when's he going to retire? He didn't say. Okay. Well, he, he does say when he turns 60, he gets a pension. So let's go with that. 60. Okay. So he's got 26 years, right? So let's add inflation for 26 years on $60,000. So that works out to be about $130,000 a year. Okay. In terms of lifestyle expenses. Now you mentioned that he's going to get a pension of about $4,000 a month. And then he said, my wife's going to get one of 2000. Do you think that he means his wife's also working and gets 2000? Or do you think that he means that the survivor benefit is 2000? Yeah, it's going to be survivor benefit, but he might not know that. You know, a lot yeah. of times people are 35, they see these numbers and they don't yeah. realize that that's, that's got to be what she gets when he passes away. Yeah, if he's dead, she gets some money. So we're yeah. going to take out that 48000 So we needed 130000 of mean, expenses. Possibly she has a pension too, the way it's written, I'm not sure. Well, let's it, count it without it just to do. Yeah, it certainly seems like that's the survivor benefit. Okay. So needs 130000 in, in expenses, but is going to get $40,000 a year in pension. Fair enough. Maybe I'm just kind of taking some liberties with rounding here. So we need about $90,000 of living expenses afterward. Fair enough. Deal. 
Okay, so now uh, if we need 90,000, we got to figure out how big does a bucket have to be? It needs to be about $2.2 million. He says he's got about 150,000 today. Yeah. And saving 20% of his income on uh, 75,000 works out to be about 15,000. So we'll call that 1250 a month is going into his 401k. He's got 26 years to get home. So his portfolio needs to grow at about 7.5% a year. So I'd say that you're pretty close, right, to get into that $2.2 million goal to have enough money to supplement the pension. We're not accounting for the fact that over the next 20 years, in theory, is $75,000 job turns into an 80000 turns into 100000 you know, in commensurate raises and contributions. I'd like that to be a little bit higher, maybe. You know, 7.5% is a good rate of return to kind of, quote, unquote, bank on. But it's all about the timing of those returns, right? 30-year time horizon is a pretty long time. But if you do really good returns for the first uh, 23 and a half years of that, and the last two and a half years are those 2008 and 2009 returns or 2007, 2008, 2009 returns, you want to give yourself a little bit of margin of safety there. Yeah, and I don't know if his uh, railroad And I didn't pension, include the uh, rental income. Well, and I was also going to say that there's uh, Social Security, and I don't know how railroad pensions, it seems to me like railroad pensions have something... Yeah, usually you don't get Social Security. Yeah, that's what had to dust that one off because it's been a while since Mm -hmm. I've since I've done the railroad pension thing. Here's what I worried about at 35. I kind of worry about, and Fritz talked about this on Monday a little bit when he was on OG. At 35, directionally is fine, but at this point, he should really start thinking about what does that lifestyle really look at? Because as I listen to you do your calculation, it's all just based off of a percentage of today's calculation. You know, it's not based on what do I really want? Like, we don't know what his real goal is. And I think if you start with the end in mind and you work backwards from there, you're more likely to get it. But just directionally, yeah, he's, he's, he's on the right track. The train is pointed in the right direction. Yeah. And we don't know. <laughs> Come on. That was a good thing to say to a guy <laughs> that said he'd get the railroad thing. I was just going to steam right on past that. But yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to let the... Kaboom. I would tell him to continue to choo-choo-choose putting money into his 401k. Maybe look at the Roth option. I wasn't going to let the caboose in the show drive the... I don't know. It's horrible. Just keep throwing coal on it. I th- It'll... Uh, <laughs> Throw some more coal into the... Yeah. Let's not get too derailed by no, this whole thing. It's not derailed podcast by <laughs> <Right>. this... Uh, <laughs> If you want to have a boxcar full of money when you get to retirement, the important thing is to continue to. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, We are such children. Hey, you're doing a good job. Do more. That's my advice. Here's what I don't know. But OG also brings this up, Corey, which is he's looking at a 7.5% rate of return. Take a look at your asset allocation and say, are my assets in places that historically have had a good chance of doing that? And there's two things going on. Are you taking enough risk? And then on the other side, are you taking too much risk? Especially now that you're starting to see a decent number of assets. And as OG referenced earlier, sequence of returns becomes more important the bigger your portfolio gets. The more I think I get a little more technical with my asset allocation versus directionally just throwing it all into a Vanguard total market index. The longer the train is, the harder it is to stop. There, There it is. Yeah. Uh, and this podcast is uh, grinding to a stop very quickly. <laughs> I think this train is off the tracks. Thanks for the question, Corey. If you've got a question, the way to pull your train up to the station 
is to do this. Head to stackybenjamins.com and across the top of our webpage, it says questions. Click that button. It'll give you all the ways to interface with the show. And when you do that, we'll drop the gates and we'll all come to a complete stop so that uh, you can be the center of attention. There it is. We let you on and uh, ring the bell and then we're off and rolling again. Thank you very much. Chugging our way to financial independence. I think uh, that's probably everybody listening. The three listeners we have and left. Off. <laughs> yeah, three listeners we have left are going. How do we end this? Uh, we're going to say thanks to people who leave us reviews of this here podcast. Some fantastic reviews. Mom has this one on the fridge today. Fun personal finance one hundred and one five stars from Hannah Glenn Writer. Come for light submergence into finance language and ideas. Stay for the fun pacing, friendly banner, and can't help but smile bad dad jokes. Great intro to finance concepts and terms and a mostly painfulest delivery. I like how mostly is in there. And introductions to other podcasts and resources that go a little deeper into investing how-tos, theory, etc. I'm so happy I found Stacky Benjamins. Highly recommend as a super entertaining intro to personal finance. Thanks, Hannah for that review. And mom is very proud of us showing that one to the bridge club this week, which makes us proud. Last thing on my docket here, if you're looking to get your train rolling down the tracks, when it comes to your financial plan, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's where OG's calendar is and uh, OG's taking clients. So jump on that train. All right, Doug, we got to get back to the bad Hamilton jokes instead of the bad, uh, Railroad joke. So thanks to Rosemary. Well, you know what? Doug's going to thank everybody, but thanks a lot, Rosemary. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Rosemary Groner from The Busy Budgeter and get some Hamilton saved. Second, make it easier by taking Colin Kennedy's advice and apply some technology to take care of the easy stuff. But the big lesson... Don't commit to making a poetry jam about Chester A. Arthur until you find a word that rhymes with Arthur. Barfer? Scarfer? Scarfer? Larper. Larper works. Huh. Hey, maybe it's time to cut bait and pivot on this one to Millard Fillmore. That's the ticket, baby. That dude rocked. Special thanks to Rosemary Groner for stopping by. You'll find tons of great tips at her site, busybudgeter.com. Thanks also to Colin Kennedy from Clarity Money for helping with today's show. Find Clarity Money wherever you download apps. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
so Cheryl and I finished the Netflix series, The Last Kingdom. Okay. Heard well, an, I know this one. I heard an interesting story about, no, this is the Viking show I've been watching that I've been raving uh. about, which is fantastic. I found out that it was a, uh, actually, it's, it's, I hate to admit this, but Doug told me this. It was a, it was a BBC series and they weren't going to get renewed after two seasons. Then they put it on Netflix and in America, it's blowing up. So many people I've told about this show have watched and then have written me and have said, it's fantastic. It is fantastic TV. It's amazing television. I don't know how many series I've watched that are better than this one. Just the historical stuff going on and you're learning, as I mentioned before, you're learning all about what happened then without feeling like you're being taught is something I really love. We know a thing or two about that. Yeah, we 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 kind of we kind of know that a little bit. But I looked up these these characters. King Alfred, who's just the badass king on this show. He is so cool. When Cheryl and I at lunch one day looked him up on this I don't know if you've heard of this place, Wikipedia. Like they, they have a little bit of everything. Like Wikipedia <laughs> has amazing stuff. You won't find you or I on Wikipedia yet, but someday, maybe. I still use the books that the guy, uh, you get like two of them. And then if you go to the grocery store enough times in the summer, then you can get the whole set. Good. And it takes up your whole living room? Yeah. As any good book set would. If, if, absolutely. It looks great in the binder. And the fact that those binders are never creased is also good too. <laughs> the, look at this. Collector's I've, item. I've had this thing for 35 years. I haven't cracked it once. <laughs> I've had the the Q encyclopedia. <laughs> Turns out there's nothing of importance in the Q. As we're packing up to move and we we put these books in boxes, I've done that with books. And I've said to myself, I'm like, why am I holding on to this book that I might read again when somebody else could be reading it? Like, that's the way I have to think about it to let it go. Go, you know what? I like this book a lot. I can get it from the library again later. But I'm going to hold on to it to another for another ten years, just so I might someday have yeah. it available. Like if I what really if they get rid of books, then you'll be sad that you don't have them. Yeah. Oh, they're nice. <laughs> Turn me into a hoarder with that one. <laughs> My OCD starts kicking in. That's oh, why. That's yeah. why. Uh, Mrs. OG says the same thing. What are you going to do with all these books? I said, What do you mean? They're books. Like you don't have to do anything with them. They sit there. She goes, They take up a lot of space. I'm like, There's a lot of good stuff in those books. And she goes, Well. Most of those you probably get on iBooks. I'm like, well, yeah, until they delete iBooks one day. And then what? Someday, yeah. And then I'm I'm the king because I have all the knowledge. Everyone else is stupid and I have all these books. When technology goes away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Book of all, Eli. Haven't you seen that movie? Yeah. I love that movie. That was a cool <laughs> movie. I did like that movie. Did you did you get the twist ending at the end of that? Did you see that coming? No, not not the first time I saw. Well, yeah, I mean, not every, the first. Every, every time, obviously, the second time I was like, "Wait a second, something happens at the end of this movie that's if, really cool." If you were confused, like what? <laughs> the second go around, yeah, it was more impactful actually the second time because you knew the twist, yeah, and so so you knew some of the like, significance of stuff how as how it's like ba that dude was really yeah but, uh, anyway yeah, yeah so. no very very cool, the, cool movie. Uh, anyway so about your uh, viking movie which you've talked about 37 times on this viking podcast. viking tv show whatever yeah two seasons but anyway so uh but alfred looks the dude that got to play alfred looks like him and his daughter who's in the show becomes a great ruler after him and it's just amazing to watch like how true to that they are. But the main character, Uhtred, in the show, 
we were having lunch just yesterday and said, we looked up Alfred and his daughter. We should look up the main character and see if he was real. We're like, no, this is historical fiction, right? The Kings and some of the big players are real, but he's not real. Dude, he was real. He was a real guy, but they took some huge liberties. We found out that he was alive about 200 years after Alfred. <laughs> of course. So, so they take these historical people and put them together, but still just a fantastic series. I've been told, I was told again by, was it Jeff? The email, somebody emailed me recently. I think it was Jeff. I apologize. Yesterday reminding me something that I've been told a few times, which is I have to watch Godless. So I think I'm going to watch Godless next. Have you watched Godless? Nope. It's supposedly a great um, Western series mm-hmm. with Jeff Daniels. So good stuff there. All right. <laughs> Go watch. Uh, what are you laughing about? So I have this calendar that uh, Mrs. OG got me for Christmas. And uh, it's like this desk calendar, right? It's a day, you know. And for two years, I got ones that had comics in them. But then she realized, I, I of course, knew it immediately because I read them all. But she realized that the second year's comics were the exact same as the first year's comics, just oh, off by a day, no. which is total Bush League on the comic <laughs> person but anyway so now she got me one this uh this deadly skills one which is kind of a funny gimmick so it usually has a paragraph about something on one day and then the next day it demonstrates how to do it so it'll be like you know here's how you break into a car right like here's how to do it yesterday's was uh surviving a shark attack and today is demonstrating how to survive a shark attack and it's got a guy floating in the water and a shark's coming up this gigantic great white and it says stay upright Use your fist, gouge out the eyes, grip and rip the gills. So that's how you survive a shark attack. Okay. And then in the corner, it has a little, like a one, like one sentence, you know, something else. So the one sentence is, if all else fails, be sure you can outswim your buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I like that, that Robert Schimmel piece on this. And we, we kind of used an offshoot of this joke, I think a year or two ago on the show, but Robert Schimmel talks about, and yeah, in a shark attack, they tell you to hit it, to hit it on the snout, like right on the snout with your fist. And he said, and then I thought to myself, yeah, if that doesn't work, I'll hit it again with my stump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is probably the way it's going to end anyway. Yes. Yes. Get it over with fast. Yeah. Yuck. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all 
of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.